you hear a knock on the door and open it to find two friendly representatives from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, otherwise known as the Mormon Church. So what will you say? Will you send them away without a Christian witness? Or will you engage them in a meaningful and Christ-honoring conversation? If you desire the latter, may we suggest the book, Answering Mormon's Questions, by Mormonism Research Ministries' Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson. Answering Mormon's Questions is available wherever you find quality Christian books. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, we hope you enjoy this repeat broadcast. Thank you, Brian Maine, for that introduction. Welcome to Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We are continuing our look at a speech given by a BYU professor named Brad Wilcox, a speech titled, His Grace is Sufficient. He starts off this message by telling of a student who came to him who was confused over the topic of grace. And in this speech, he is supposed to explain how he tried to bring some peace to her by explaining some of the misunderstandings that she may have regarding that concept. In our last show, we were talking about his analogy with the piano teacher and how Christ's arrangement with us is similar to a mom providing music lessons for her child. Mom pays the piano teacher, and because mom pays the debt in full, she can turn to her child and ask for something. And of course, what is it? to practice, to be good at it. She's providing the ability and the child is supposed to take advantage of it. The opportunity mom is giving him, this child, to live his life at a higher level. In other words, he admits the goal is for the person, the individual, to live at a higher level. If the student, if the child practices his piano, then he's going to be better off we have to assume his analogy is in the next life or the celestial kingdom. The child usually doesn't understand why this practice is necessary, and he says it's because he, he doesn't see it through mom's eyes. He doesn't see how much better his life could be if he would choose to live on a higher plane. In other words, practice. And then you ultimately will become good at playing the piano, maybe a concert pianist. I don't know what the goal is, but we have to think that it has to do something with where they're going to end up in eternity. There's going to be a change, and the reward is going to be eternity. The child, he says, must practice the piano, but this practice has a different purpose than the punishment or payment. Its purpose is change. But Eric, do we really are we really going to assume that most Latter-day Saints are not thinking that unless they practice the piano analogy he gives, they know that if they don't practice, if they don't change, they are going to be punished. Right. Because only those who, as we've pointed out before, are living all the commandments can have the assurance of having their sins forgiven and that they would find a place in the celestial kingdom in the next life. This is what Mormon leaders have taught. This is what Mormon scripture is implying. But then he goes on and he talks about his, his born-again Christian friend. He says, I have born-again Christian friends who say to me, you Mormons are trying to earn your way to heaven. I say, 
No, we're not trying to earn heaven. We are learning heaven. We are preparing for it. See D and C seventy eight seven. We are practicing for it. This is this is one of those catchy little phrases where I just go, huh? What? <laughs> I, I don't know what to say to this. I mean, to say we are not trying to earn heaven is nonsensical. There are too many statements that have been made by Mormon leaders that say exactly that. So for Mr. Wilcox to say, no, we are not earning heaven, we are learning heaven. It's cute. Yeah, it's cute. It's catchy. But does it make a lot of sense? Does it really explain the situation as it really is? I would say no. It doesn't explain Mormonism at all. Let me give you a quote by L. Ray L. Christensen. He was an assistant to the Quorum of the Twelve. This is a conference message that he gave back in October 1952. If you want to look it up, it's page 53 and 54. Mr. Christensen said, My brothers and sisters, we should all be proud of our progenitors. Some of us forget, however, that as someone rightly said, no matter how tall your grandfather was, you have to do your own growing. So it is in this great church, we all must realize that salvation is an individual matter, that none of us can be taken into the celestial kingdom on the backs of others. We must earn our own position, both here and hereafter. It is not merely an acknowledgement that God lives and that this is the church of Jesus Christ that will save us, but the application of that knowledge in good works. In other words, they know what they are supposed to do, and in doing it, they will receive that higher level, I have to assume, of Mr. Wilcox's piano analogy. Well, current prophet Thomas Monson said in May 1988, In the conference edition of the Ensign, page 54, by obedience to God's commandments, we can qualify for that house spoken of by Jesus when he declared, In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. That is where I am, that ye may be also. Now, but what's the requirement? He says, by obedience to God's commandments, we qualify. So there is something that a person must do. If they don't keep God's commandments, they will not qualify. And just a little later in that same speech, he said on page 56, it is the celestial glory which we seek. It is the presence of God we desire to dwell. It is a forever family in which we want membership. Such blessings must be earned. Oh, wait a minute. Mr. Wilcox says, no, we're not earning heaven. We're not earning heaven. We're learning it. Yeah. But... The current president of the Mormon Church, Thomas S. Monson, said it himself back in 1988. It's such blessings must be earned. If you want to get in the celestial kingdom, it must be earned. And then Mr. Wilcox goes on to talk about these friends of his, these born-again Christians, who ask him what? They ask me, have you been saved by grace? I answer, yes. Absolutely, totally, completely, thankfully, yes. And right there you stop. Most Christians are going to say, well, I thought they didn't believe in grace. And so this is the problem with the language. But think about it. In light of the two quotes that we gave by Thomas Monson, in light of the quote that we just gave by L. Ray Christensen, does it sound like what he's saying here, yes, absolutely, totally, completely, thankfully, is the same way we understand it as Bible-believing Christians? Absolutely not. Because those 
quotations that we cited nullify completely, in my opinion, what Mr. Wilcox is saying here when he says, if you have been saved by grace, yes, absolutely, totally, completely, thankfully. Well, if he's talking about general salvation or resurrection from the dead, I would say, okay, in a Mormon context, he can say that. But is that really what he's trying to get across? Because if that's the case, then the piano analogy kind of falls apart because you're going to get resurrected even if you practice the piano or you don't practice the piano. Everybody gets it. Even you and I get that. Everybody gets resurrection from the dead. Even the atheists will get resurrection from the dead. It doesn't matter what you believed or what you did during this lifetime. That comes to all people. It's known as being saved by grace, according to Bruce McConkie, which I can't fathom that title being given to that because Jesus himself said that some are going to be resurrected to eternal life and some are going to be resurrected to damnation. And it just makes no sense to me to think that those people being resurrected to damnation are saved by grace unto damnation. That makes no sense whatsoever. So when he says, yes, absolutely, totally, completely, thankfully, that's confusing. He goes on and writes, or says in the speech, then I asked them a question that perhaps they have not fully considered. Have you been changed by grace? They are so excited about being saved that maybe they are not thinking enough about what comes next. They are so happy the debt is paid that they may not have considered why the debt existed in the first place. And I'd have to just say, huh? Are you kidding? There's another huh moment. Because he's given the impression that most born-again Christians are nothing but a bunch of antinomians. That all, all we're thinking about is being saved. And we have no concern whatsoever for the sanctification that's supposed to come after our justification. Absolutely, it's a straw man. He goes on. Latter-day Saints know not only what Jesus has saved us from, but also what he has saved us for. Well, first of all, I would question when he says Latter-day Saints know not only what Jesus has saved us from. Most Mormons I've talked to don't know if they're truly saved, don't know if they're going to get into the celestial kingdom. This student certainly did. uh, Exactly. Good point. I mean, this whole sermon is born out of one of his own that doesn't seem to know that. If Mormons, like this student, doesn't know, how many more don't really know? At best, this student knows she's bound for the terrestrial kingdom. She has no assurance that if she is celestial material. Otherwise, why did she come to Wilcox in the first place? He talks about a friend named Brett Sanders. As my friend Brett Sanders puts it, a life impacted by grace eventually begins to look like Christ's life. As my friend Omar Canals put it, while many Christians view Christ's suffering as only a huge favor he did for us, Latter-day Saints also recognize it as a huge investment he made in us. As Moroni puts it in Moroni 748, grace isn't just about being saved, it's also about becoming like the Savior. I have to be honest, this is kind of insulting. I mean, this portion here where he stereotypes and caricatures what he thinks we think regarding Christ's sacrifice, We most certainly do feel that he paid a great debt for us. He paid our sin debt. But we also look at it as a great investment in us. We look at it that way. Certainly, when he he makes this kind of statement, I'm I'm offended by that. Because I I don't think he he is properly understanding what Christians think about the sacrifice of Christ. It is ultimately the best thing that could ever happen to us. And certainly his life is supposed to be, you know, through us. We are supposed to live a Christ-like life. We understand that. So I think he's, he's building a caricature here that's unfortunate. So 
He talks about the miracle of the atonement is not just that we can live after we die, but that we can live more abundantly. The miracle of the atonement is not just that we can be cleansed and consoled, but that we can be transformed. Scriptures make it clear that no unclean thing can dwell with God, but brothers and sisters, no unchanged thing will even want to. I would agree to a certain respect in the last part of that, but when he says scriptures make it clear that no unclean thing can dwell with God, that's the big question. How do we get clean? The Mormon would tell you it's by covenant keeping, by commandment keeping. Or how about practice, practice, practice. Practice, practice. That's how they get clean. We don't believe that as Bible-believing Christians. If you're a Mormon and you think that's where we are in that position, you're absolutely wrong. We become clean because of Christ's righteousness being added to our account. It's known as the imputation of Christ's righteousness. You can read about it in Romans chapter 4. That's how we get clean. It's not through our own personal effort. And if it's by personal effort, then you cannot claim to be clean because your sin still taints your best efforts. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism. As with most Christian organizations, Mormonism Research Ministry depends on the generous financial support of friends like you. If you like what we do and how we do it, would you consider helping MRM meet its financial obligations? Merely go to our website, mrm.org. At the right, you'll see a donate button. Click there and follow the instructions. MRM is a Christian nonprofit 501c3 organization and your gifts are tax deductible. Not only that, they are greatly appreciated. Thank you for your support of this ministry.